So April is always a very busy month in the life of our church because not only do we have Holy Week and Easter and baptisms, but we also have our stewardship campaign. And so I feel like we're trying to do a lot of different things at one time, but this is what helps us support our ministries and mission for another year. So I wanna thank Alex Ryerson and Polly for their leadership this year. If you look in your bulletin, there's some information about how we fund our ministries and programs. But uh, I want to say a few quick things before we talk about Palm Sunday. The theme this year is choosing generosity, taken from 1 Timothy 6. Because in life, no matter how old you are or young you are, no matter how much money you have or don't have, all of us get a choice to choose to be generous. And so that's our, our theme this year. And there's two things that I want to say. The first is we need everybody to participate in this campaign every year because we can't do the ministries of this church without your help. And the second thing is this. Woodmont is a very generous church, but we still have great potential when it comes to stewardship. And so take that as a loving challenge from your minister, but I wanna put that out there because again, everything we do is dependent on your generosity. Today's Palm Sunday marks the beginning of Holy Week, the most important week of the year for us as Christians. And we'll have a special service on Monday, Thursday at 6.15 in the chapel, and then on Good Friday here at noon in the, in the sanctuary with ministers from different parts of Nashville. And all of these are important because as Christians, we're not just called to remember, but to relive and re-experience and reflect upon Jesus's final days on earth. We can't just jump from Palm Sunday to Easter, we have to remember everything that happened in Jerusalem, in the upper room, uh, in Gethsemane, uh, on that cross on, on Friday. It's all a part of our faith. Now, how many of you are golf fans here this morning? Don't lie, tell the truth. So if you're a golf fan, if you like golf, some people say, I'll, I'll play golf, I won't watch golf, or I'll watch golf, but I won't play golf. Well, this is a special week, right? Because there's a tournament going on in Georgia called the Masters. And this week was made even more special when a guy named Tiger Woods announced that he was gonna come back and play in the Masters tournament just over a year after a horrendous car accident in California that he probably shouldn't have survived, that crushed his right leg, it had to be rebuilt. But all of a sudden he's back in the Masters and he's, and he's playing. He had lots of injuries, they had to pry him out of his car. And nobody really thought that he would ever play golf again, much less compete in the Masters a year later. But if you watched the galleries in Augusta this week, you saw thousands and thousands of people following Tiger Woods, trying to get a glimpse of Tiger Woods, welcoming Tiger Woods. They could not wait to see him playing at Augusta. He defied the odds. He came back. And that's a story that's dominated the sports world and also most news outlets. Well, about 2,000 years ago, there was another crowd gathered in Jerusalem, eagerly awaiting a different kind of arrival. It was the time of Passover, about two and a half million people were uh, crammed into Jerusalem. Uh, the law said that all Jewish males who lived within 20 or 25 miles had to come to Jerusalem to be a part of the Passover. And so this was a, a city that was bustling with energy and, and, and there was a lot happening and going on. Uh, biblical scholars will tell you that 
in Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday, there were two processionals that happened. On the west side of the city was the procession of Pontius Pilate. And this was a mighty procession that demonstrated Pilate's political power. It was a big deal as he came into the city. Uh, Soldiers on horses, soldiers on foot, armor, helmets, weapons, banners, trumpets, golden eagles mounted on on poles uh, and, and, and glistening in the sun. There were swords and there were the sound of men marching and horses, uh, the swirling of dust, lots of people, thousands of people looking on, many of whom were resentful and scared watching Pontius Pilate enter the city. But then on the other side of Jerusalem, the east side, there was another procession. Many peasants had gathered and they were waiting with great anticipation for the coming of a new king, a king from the lineage of David, a man named Jesus from the village of Nazareth. The people had heard about Jesus and all that he had done. They had heard of his teachings and his healings and his miracles. Some had even witnessed it themselves. He was gonna be the new king. He was to fulfill the prophecy and deliver the people from Roman rule and oppression. And they were eager to get a glimpse of him and they waved their palm branches towards him and shouted Hosanna like the children did this morning. So imagine this, here he comes, cloaks thrown on the ground, palm branches waving in the air, expectations were high, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, which means save us now, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus comes into Jerusalem not with a mighty political procession, not with soldiers and horses and cavalry, but humble, humble and riding on a donkey, fulfilling the words of Zechariah that Pharaoh read this morning. So can you picture this, two different processions coming into the same city, Pilate's procession proclaimed the power of the empire, Jesus's procession proclaimed the kingdom of God. Pilate's procession proclaimed the domination system of that day. Jesus's procession represented those who were being exploited. Pilate's procession was loud and royal and and arrogant. And Jesus's procession was smaller and much more humble. Pilate's procession made people tremble out of fear, but Jesus's procession caused them to celebrate and wave their palm branches in a sense of hope. And when we begin to understand these two different processions coming into the holy city, then we begin to understand what Jesus's message and his kingdom is all about. Jesus always led by example. Jesus was humble. He was honest. He didn't ask his followers to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. He... um, he was passionate, he, he was thoughtful, he, he put other people before himself, he affirmed what was right, but he spoke out against what was wrong. He proclaimed a different kind of kingdom and he called it the kingdom of God. That's what he came to teach. He, he was committed and dedicated and persistent. He, he was willing to face Jerusalem even though he knew what that might bring. He resonated with the the peasants, the poor people. He he spoke up for the poor and the marginalized. He he spoke the truth in love. He warned of the dangers of money and possessions if they become our master in life. He cared for the least of these. He challenged others to do the same. 
He spoke out against the Roman oppression system, but he was always very careful with what he said. Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, render unto God that which is God's. He rarely got angry, and he always seemed to be in control of the situation. He was never too busy to go and help people who were in need. He listened, he responded, he reached out, and he was constantly pushing the social norms of his day. And Jesus showed tremendous courage entering Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. Matthew tells us that Jesus had already made plans for this. He sent two of his disciples into the village ahead and he says, you'll find a donkey and a colt. Bring them back to me. And if anybody says anything to you, tell them the Lord needs them. And so the disciples did this and they carried out the plan. Jesus knew what he was doing and he knew what was to come, but he didn't shy away from it. He showed courage. He knew he was entering a hostile city with religious leaders who had it out for him, but he did it anyway. Most people might have crept into Jerusalem silently at night under the cover of dark, but not Jesus. He was there to make a bold statement regardless of the risk, but it was also a counter statement about the kind of kingdom that he proclaimed. It was a kingdom of the heart. It was a kingdom based on love and humility. It was a kingdom that's not of this world. And so as we think about Palm Sunday and we think about Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem and we think about the days that are to come that we call Holy Week, what are the lessons that we take away from this uh, holy and special day? I'll share some with you today. The first is this, Jesus was no ordinary king and his kingdom was and still is very different from the kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of this world are based on power and money, intimidation and fear, force and violence. But Jesus' kingdom is based on love and forgiveness, grace and reconciliation, peace and hospitality, humility and service. But many people still don't get it, they don't understand it. And they try to intertwine their Christian faith with the political forces of our day, left or right. But it's not that simple. What did Jesus say to Pilate? He says, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus's kingdom is one of peace. Jesus's donkey is a symbol of peace. Throughout his life and ministry, he showed that he came not to destroy, but to love, not to condemn, but to help, not to judge, but to forgive. Yet, we still have a hard time grasping what this kingdom looks like today because we know it's very, very different from the kingdoms that we know and that we see. Now, after this passage in Matthew, what happens? We find Jesus in the temple. And he becomes so angry because the temple had become a symbol of Roman rule, marked by oppression and economic exploitation and religious legitimization. And he couldn't take it anymore. So he overturned the tables and the money changers. And he says, it's written, my house shall be a house of prayer for all people, but you are making it a den of robbers. And even worse than that, you're putting a religious stamp of approval on it. Nobody can ever say that Jesus was not passionately committed to speaking out against oppression. He did so boldly and often. He called out the hypocrisy of the scribes and Pharisees, what we might call the religion for show. Second lesson on Palm Sunday. This day should remind us that courage 
is important and courage is a gift that comes from God. And all of us are called to face Jerusalem on some level. What are the Jerusalems that we have to face in our own lives? It might be a tyrant in Eastern Europe who's bombing train stations and hospitals and apartment buildings. Or maybe we're called to confront poverty or homelessness and hunger. Maybe it's racism, bigotry. Maybe it's closer to home. Maybe it's fear and anxiety. Maybe it's coming to terms with something that we did in our past that we can't seem to forgive ourselves. Maybe it's becoming willing to mend a relationship that's, that's broken and it's been broken for a long time. Maybe with a family member or a friend. But, but there's too much hurt and too much pride to apologize. And so some people just don't ever do it. You see, dealing with any and all these things takes courage. And courage, I believe, is a gift that comes from God. And Jesus showed courage when he entered Jerusalem. And I believe that he calls us to show courage in our own lives when we face injustices and when we face trials and challenges of our own. And and if you want to know how do you find courage, courage comes through prayer. And courage comes from being around people that will love you and support you, like in a small group or a class. And, And courage also comes from making peace with death itself. Because if we want to be free to live in this life, we also have to be free to die. The the book I mentioned a few weeks ago by uh, Arthur Brooks, it just came out called From Strength to Strength. He has a chapter called Facing Your Death. And he says this, if we spend our entire life striving to accomplish the next thing, if we don't look around and form relationships with the people that matter to us most, then there is a good chance that we might die alone, unsatisfied and unfulfilled. Nobody wants that. Third lesson, living a life of faith means learning to expect the unexpected or to be ready for surprises that might come your way. You know, sometimes God has a better plan for us than we think. Think of all the people in Jerusalem waiting on the new king. And they were used to seeing the kings ride in on horses with soldiers and army. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus, long-haired guy, hippie guy, riding on a donkey. What an image. What a surprise. What a contrast to Pontius Pilate. This is not our king, is it? It's not supposed to be like this. How's this guy going to overthrow Roman rule? How's this guy the one we've been waiting on for all these years? But life is full of surprises. Some good, some bad. And sometimes we have to be open to the possibilities and learn to expect the unexpected. Stanley Hauerwas, Duke ethicist, says this. He says, you want to know about Christian joy? Christian joy is the disposition that comes from our realization that we can trust in surprises for the sustaining of our lives. We can see our friends and our spouse and our children as sheer gifts that are present to us. Joy helps us move away from an entitled mentality. Lesson four, Palm Sunday and Holy Week reminds us that people, human beings are fickle. What do I mean by that? Sometimes the people who welcome us with praise and adoration are the same people who later turn on us. Those who waved the branches for Jesus and said, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord were the same ones who just a few days later would shout, crucify him, crucify him, free Barabbas, crucify Jesus. Even Jesus's closest followers would turn their back on him, even Peter. And isn't that true in life? The people who you know the best and who you trust the most have the ability to hurt you the deepest. And guess what? As human beings, we've all experienced it. We know how Holy Week begins, and we also know how Holy Week ends. Palm Sunday and Good Friday are, are, are great reminders of how often life can take a turn very quickly, and people can surprise us, and people can disappoint us and abandon us, but God never does. Which leads me to my final point on this Palm Sunday, Lesson 5. Palm Sunday and Holy Week reminds us that the way of Jesus Christ is the way of the cross. And we cannot get from Palm Sunday to Easter without first going through the the pain and the agony and the suffering of Good Friday. We can't just skip that part. It's tempting, but we can't do it. There's so many Christians who only want to focus on being happy and joyful and free of pain and fear, but that's not life. I think about churches that, I don't mean to make fun of them, but they start celebrating Easter on Friday. That doesn't make any sense. You gotta have Good Friday if you're gonna have Easter. That's what's unique about our faith. He was crucified. He understands your pain because he lived it. He understands what it means to be betrayed. He understands what it means to come up against a force that can put you to death. He knows that life is not always easy and happy and we have to deal with illness and shortcomings and pandemics and hardships and disappointments and love and devastation and loss and struggle. And ultimately we have to deal with death itself. To celebrate the life of a, of a great guy this afternoon, Jeff Hamm, who passed away this past week and, uh, from glioblastoma. And he's had to face death over the past 14 months. And it's been hard. But because of Christ, we also know that death doesn't have the final say. Death doesn't win. Love wins. Passion wins. And next week we'll come to this church and we'll celebrate all of this and how life goes on even after we die. Amen.